Well, the cleanup and the aid effort continues in Afghanistan this week after last week's deadly earthquake on Wednesday. At least a thousand people were killed, two thousand injured, tens of or ten thousands homes destroyed, uh, according to the UN humanitarian office. They're also warning of a cholera outbreak in the aftermath of that uh, travesty, travesty or tragedy. Uh, certainly not what Afghanistan needs right now. It was already suffering through so much. This is also a remote area. It's been hard for aid organizations to reach there. And of course, there's the whole issue of uh, the hardline Taliban back in power that has cut it off from uh, from much in the way of international aid and so forth. So it is a difficult situation uh, in the southeast of the country. A World Health Organization official says a charter flight is bringing aid to the area following last week's earthquake. Here is WHO Logistics Officer Sami Rassi. WHO Logistic Hub in Dubai, with the help from IHC and UAE government, we are supporting Afghanistan earthquake with the health medical supplies. Well, joining me now from Kabul is Samantha Moore. She's the Chief of Communications, Advocacy and Civic Engagement for UNICEF Afghanistan. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks, Ben. Great to speak with you again. Yes. Uh, I mean, for, for listeners who don't know, this earthquake has struck in an area near the Pakistan border that is that is hard to get to at the best of times, no? It's very difficult to get to. Um, it's a very remote and rural and mountainous area. And when the earthquake struck last night, last week, sorry, um, it did so at a time where we were having really heavy rain and the combination of rain and the earthquake then also meant that many roads um, experienced landslides, which made the response effort even more difficult. And so we're having to scramble helicopters to get into the area as well. Um, But but even as, you know, 36 hours ago, there were still communities um, that were complaining that they hadn't um, been reached. So it's it's a very difficult uh, terrain. I guess we don't even really know the full extent of the damage done until we get a better idea of what each of those communities looks like. Yeah, I mean, I've just had a, a team that came back yesterday. Um, they spent three days there and they were describing absolute devastation, you know, piles of rubble, um, roads that were that just had chunks taken out of them. People who wore haunted expressions still in shock, you know, um, there were also aftershocks on on Saturday and aftershock killed five people on Saturday. So people are still really scared about going back to these very simple dwellings that they lived in that the the foundations have been compromised, you know, Um, it's such an impoverished area that the homes are made of simple mud bricks and they disintegrated really quickly. Um, we're now also starting to get a better idea of the, the loss. I just got a report in um, last night that said 73 children have been orphaned, for example, um, in addition to, you know, the, the big figures in terms of the, the deaths. So it's, it's a devastating picture. UNICEF is down there on the ground. Um, our focus is on the children. We have social workers and psychosocial counsellors and we're building child-friendly spaces really to help these children process what's just happened to them. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, of course, after the earthquake, there are also the, the health risks that come after that. We were talking a little bit earlier about the cholera risk that's been pointed out exactly. by everyone at this point. Exactly. The water and sanitation systems have been destroyed. They were very rudimentary already. 
Um, so we've brought in emergency latrines. We've got teams there uh, trying to repair the, uh, the, the broken systems. We're trucking in water, although that's also very difficult. Um, and we are trying to uh, you know, set up uh, prevention of acute watery diarrhea and treat those who already have it. Acute watery diarrhea and cholera, of course, very closely uh, linked. So how is it being done now? How are you getting the aid in considering roads are out? Is it all being done by helicopter and so on? Well, not all roads. A lot of helicopters going in. Um, there's going to be a UN flight that will be going to Paktika as of um, uh, the end of this week. Um, it's it's just a it's just challenging. Um, you know, UNICEF's armoured vehicles, for example, can't negotiate um, many of the tracks. Um, but but we're finding a way to do it, um, and we are getting aid to those who are affected. I think there's a lot of good coordination between UNICEF, the other UN agencies, and the de facto authorities. Yeah, that's always been one of those issues. How is, how is the security situation and, and how is your relationship right now uh, with the Taliban regime? Because I understand just from reporting over the weekend that they have announced that they are going to allow all aid to get in as fast as it can and not hinder it in any way, shape or form. Yes, I mean, as early as, as you know, Wednesday morning, the de facto authorities reached out to UNICEF and the other UN agencies uh, saying that they they had limited capacity and they were asking for our support, particularly to get teams down to the affected communities to do a needs assessment to work out what uh, aid was required. Um, and so, so they have been there. They were the first to get helicopters down there. And we are working, you know, functionally together. It is all coordinated um, and it, it seems to be working fine for now. Uh, I know you've certainly prepared. I mean, it's a, it's a seismically um, active area, but this is one of the worst quakes we've seen in a long time in Afghanistan, I gather. Yes, one of the worst uh, in, in 20 years. And it's the second earthquake that um, Afghanistan has experienced uh, this year alone. But you're absolutely right. It's a seismically active area. It's a country that is no stranger to conflict, crisis and, and insecurity. And so, you know, we at UNICEF typically, you know, pre-position supplies for all kinds of emergencies all over the country. We have 13 offices all over Afghanistan um, and we've been here for 70 years. So we have a strong network of partners. So that's why we were able to get off the mark really fast last Wednesday because we had supplies in our uh, Pactica warehouse. We had trucks on the road by mid-morning and we had mobile health and nutrition teams tending to the injured in several of the um, affected communities. Um, and that aid effort uh, continues. But these people have lost everything. And we certainly need the global community to come together and support uh, the people of Afghanistan because they were already facing so many challenges. What are the big challenges for specifically for the earthquake response in Paktika, I guess, and host as well? But what are the big challenges now in the weeks ahead uh, for organizations such as UNICEF in trying to provide the aid that is needed, the sustained aid, I suspect, that will be needed uh, as the recovery process takes place? Well, I mean, first of all, we need uh, an injection of funding. This is not something that we had predicted. We were already dealing with the world's biggest humanitarian crisis. This is a country where there's you know, the worst drought for 37 years is a chronic malnutrition crisis. You know, pregnant and lactating mothers 
are starving. Uh, a million children under the age of five are at risk of severe acute malnutrition. Yes, get urgent support. Um, the economy is in tatters. 97% of the, the country is on the brink of poverty. And, and so a lot of what these people had was only their homes and they've lost their homes. They've lost their livelihoods. You know, they've lost things like farmland and cattle. Um, so they need an injection of cash. We need urgent cash transfers to these families so that they can buy back the basics. They can build their homes um, and they can get back to some semblance of, of normality. I'm speaking uh, for, with Samantha Mort. She's the Chief of Communication, Advocacy and Civic Engagement for UNICEF Afghanistan. She's speaking to us tonight from, or tomorrow morning in Kabul, but uh, <laughs> from Kabul. We're talking about an earthquake that struck a very remote area of Afghanistan Wednesday, uh, Paktika province, particularly on the Pakistan border, and just the challenges of trying to get aid there. It is an area that uh, uh, is easily cut off, and it has been at this point. But as uh, Samantha was explaining, um, organizations such as UNICEF have pre prepared for these sorts of eventualities. So there were, in fact, some supplies ready to go, and they have been able to reach some of those areas and deliver aid. But there are a lot of challenges ahead. Uh, as Samantha mentioned earlier, Afghanistan period has been facing a uh, growing and immeasurable amount of uh, issues over the last six to eight, the last year nearly now. Uh, and we'll talk a bit more about what else needs to be done, especially with the world community's attention divided in so many ways these days. So we'll be back with that. Samantha Bort, Chief of Communication Advocacy and Civic Engagement for UNICEF Afghanistan, is our guest. She's speaking to us from Kabul. It is Tuesday morning there, Monday night here. There's still work going on in the southeast of the province as recovery efforts from that uh, 6.1 magnitude earthquake that struck on Wednesday continue. It has been a difficult uh, relief effort. It is a remote part of the country. Um, we're not quite sure just how many people have died. A lot of people in very unstable housing in those areas, mud houses, mud huts, essentially, or mud brick huts, huts and busy and with lots of people in them as well. And rebuilding is going to, is also a, a challenge, obviously, these days. Uh, Samantha, you were mentioning this before. We're nearly, we're beyond 10 months now since the fall of Kabul. Um, how is the situation continuing to change there? Uh, we, last we spoke in January, it was it was dire already. There was, the healthcare system was collapsing. There was very little economic activity. There was lots of concerns about a lack of staff at hospitals, a lack of teachers, people having to try to find ways to make a living. Uh, 10 months later, what is the situation now in the country, uh, country at largely? Thanks, Ben. Um, just since, since we've been on air, I'm getting reports in of another aftershock in Paktika. Uh, so okay. we're waiting to hear if there are any uh, fatalities uh, connected with that. But back yeah. to your question, um, things things have been difficult, but but I think context is really important here. Afghanistan for the last 40 years has been a very difficult place uh, to be a child, one of the toughest places on earth. Um, it is a country that has endured conflict, crisis, insecurity and, and natural disaster. So I think it's important for the audience to realise that it's not that on August 15 everything changed. What happened on August 15 is that a lot of the international aid on which the country relied, Afghanistan was one of the most aid-dependent countries in the world, um, was paused. And that has had a seismic impact 
on the health sector, on the education sector, on the economy, on the banking system, on the social protection sector. It had a huge impact because a lot of the private sector fled the country. Um, and so the, the, the economy has been plunged into crisis. We've seen a lot of um, unemployment. We've seen rising food prices. And that has meant that an already vulnerable population is now facing, you know, a myriad of additional burdens. Um, you know, UNICEF and some of the other UN agencies are essentially shoring up uh, the country. We are funding nearly 2,000 health clinics across uh, Afghanistan right now. We're paying health workers, we're paying operation costs, we're paying medicines. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not sustainable. So there needs to be a, a long-term solution. As I mentioned before, we've got the worst drought in 37 years. We've got a malnutrition crisis. Um, we've got an education crisis with with high school age girls not allowed to return to school as yet. Um, so things are things are very difficult when you have almost your entire population, and this is a country of 40 million people, on the brink of poverty. What it means is that you know people are waking up with no food. Parents are putting their children out of school because they need them to work. Um, early marriage, which has long been a cultural practice here, is now happening years earlier. So if you um, had planned to perhaps marry your daughter off at the age of 14, the age at which you exchange her for dowry is coming forward. And so those girls are, are being exchanged at, at a much younger age, which puts them at great uh, risk of, of exploitation and abuse. So things are very, very challenging here. One of the other interesting aspects um, since August is that now that there is no conflict, 60 to 70 percent of the population, sorry, 60 to 70 percent of the country has opened up for agencies like UNICEF. And so now we have access to areas that we've never had access to before. So we've got children who have never seen water coming out of a tap, children who've never been to school, children who've never had a vaccine. So we're busier than ever. We've got greater demand, um, but we don't have the funding to, to reach all those children at the moment. I know from your position that politics aren't something you talk about much, but but in terms of what you'd like to see, what an organization like UNICEF would like to see from the international community, what would it look like? What would it look like that would enable you to do your work in a way that would continue to make an impact, but also begin to unbind you a little bit so that all, all not all this weight of assistance falls on so few international aid groups? Well, we, we don't comment on, on politics because we have to remain neutral and impartial and independent because mm -hmm. that enables us to, to do our work. Um, but, you know, UNICEF's approach is, is children first. Um, our very first uh, executive director in, in UNICEF, Morris Pate, always said there are no enemy children, you know. And UNICEF's approach is wherever there's a child in need, UNICEF will do whatever we need to, to, to reach that child. And so we urge the global community, our donors, our partners, to put children first and not penalise children for, for the sins of, of adults. 
we need enough money coming into the country so that UNICEF can reach the children, the pregnant women, the families. Um, as I say, this is a country of 40 million children, um, and there's a lot of suffering right now. We launched our humanitarian action appeal, which is the biggest appeal of any single country in UNICEF's 75-year history. And it's for $2 billion, in part, as I said, because so much of the country has opened up to us and we need uh, to reach more children than ever before. And we're urging our donors to support us with that funding so that we can implement these life-saving programmes across education, across health, across protection, um, across water and sanitation, and across nutrition. Um, so that we can restore childhoods and not just help children to survive, but, but help them to thrive. It is interesting that you have more access now because that was a question, obviously, the security situation has changed. Um, mm -hmm. how, is there a sense of frustration at all? That, 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 is there any sense there uh, that, that it is be that these cries for help are, are going unnoticed to some extent? Yeah, I mean, of, of the $2 billion fund, we are only 26 percent funded and you know here we are almost at the end of june halfway through the year um we really need to energize that fundraising campaign if we are to to reach all the children in need um of course afghanistan has fallen out of the headlines because of the war in ukraine um but but there are children in need all over the world in afghanistan in yemen and syria and the horn of africa um and we really need an equitable approach from um, governments, from our donors, because there's no hierarchy of needs. It's not that one child in one country is more important than any other child. Every child needs a vaccine. Every child needs to feel protected. Every child needs to go to school. Um, and so that's our message to the global community. Please treat children equitably. Samantha Mort, as always, thank you so much for your time tonight. And um Best of luck with the with this latest uh, aid effort. I know it's a difficult one. Thank you, Ben.